Today's episode is brought to you by Format.com, the number one website and portfolio builder for photographers. Format is a bunch of creatives who started a company that allows photographers to showcase their work through beautiful websites. If you're a photographer, filmmaker, designer, artist, illustrator, or creator, Format's websites are designed to be built as quickly and seamlessly as possible, and they look great on mobile. Pick from their many customizable themes and build your new website in only an hour. Display your work through stunning visual galleries, sell presets, prints, and more through your very own storefront. Use proofing galleries to share password protected galleries to get feedback from your clients. If you go to format.com slash analog talk right now, rather than their standard 14 day free trial with their personal plan, you'll get bumped up to one month of their pro plan plus a 25% discount, which lets you upload 10 times more images, gives you five times more store products and the ability to do custom HTML and CSS editing. You don't need to enter any credit card info, so it's completely risk free. See how great your work looks on format today. Go to format.com slash analog talk to get a free month plus 25% off on a pro plan. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Analog Talk, a film photography podcast. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Chris. And today on the show, we have Dave Rothschild. Hey Dave. Hi Dave. Good evening. Thanks for joining us again. We had uh, our listeners have been waiting for this episode because we had some te- technical <laughs> yeah. difficulties last time. So thanks for coming back and chatting it out with us. I love you guys, man. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so before I get into the show, do you mind for those pe- folks who don't know you can kind of give a brief background of yourself and how you got started in photography? Yeah, I got started in, uh, I'm originally from Virginia and I still, most of my work is Virginia based photography, but uh, I got started in high school. Uh, shooting film because I am from the 90s and that's all we had. Yes. Um, yes. And <laughs> yep. believe it or not, my first camera was a plastic uh, point and shoot Vivitar. And I used to, when I first started photography, like I actually started very conceptually. I used to just like take covers of Time magazines and like put them in nature and like try to like express something based on what was on the cover and based on the scene. And so I was like thinking Ew. about it from an art perspective in the beginning. And that's kind of how I got started with it. And then flash forward a bunch of bunch of years. And now I am a landscape photographer. So here I am. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I love that. I wish I uh, when I hear people talk about, you know, kind of how they got yeah. into this and uh, just I, I wish I would have had that I don't want to say artistic eye because I feel like I've always kind of been artistic or something but I wish I would have seen this journey a little earlier in mm-hmm. time than I you know than I did now just hearing you say that like you kind of had a concept way early on you know so that's 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 really awesome yeah no I was just gonna say like I mean I don't know how you guys were when you were in high school but I kind of felt like I hung out with a lot of like of like the nerds and the creative kids and stuff and so it wasn't just photography where I was thinking uh, to try to be expressive and artistic. It was like everything. It was music. It was skateboarding. It was um, painting, poetry. I, I actually was an MC for a while. I used to do hip hop, all that stuff. And it was just oh, like man, overflowing. Oh, man. That's so awesome. That is overflowing cool. Overflowing with creativity. I mean, you know how it is when you're young. Like you, you need like an hour of sleep and that's like you just rock it, like nonstop, you know, so. 
Mm. And that's that passion was born, and it it's it's um like still inside me today. It like never leaves, and that's I'm so grateful that I feel that that spark still inside. Yeah, that's awesome. I've been like trying to like hone in on, on my art side of photography. I mean, we all get caught up in the gear and which lens we want next and all this stuff, but I've been like trying to really focus on like presenting a nice body of work, you know. Mm. Um, so I think it's interesting, like you had the, you know, it was like an art thing right at the beginning. Um, and I have a friend from back home who, who like kind of always shot film, but he was like doing really like conceptual things with his photography. Right. I just love like, that. like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a medium for art as well, you know, not just like shooting your friends or whatever. I mean, it is obviously, and that's great too, but. Well, I don't have that, I don't have that many friends. So not because, not because I'm a mean <laughs> guy, but I'm just, I've always been kind of an introvert. So. For me, like mm. the way I communicate best is through art and, um, you know, whether it's writing or writing music or uh, being in the visual arts, it's to me where the most intimacy can be had um, in communication. And that's what, you know, whether it's an artist speaking to me or me speaking to someone else or just listening to a song by a musician who's, you know, like a jazz musician from the 70s or, or whatever it is. Like, yeah, it music just, for sure. It's a really specific form of communication in a lot of ways yeah my uh, my boyfriend's like he's super into like art as far as like paintings so he when we went on vacation we went to like all the art galleries and he ended up buying a really nice piece and i've been like getting into that kind of art too because of him yeah um and like we're like like you know hanging all this art around our apartment now and i'm just like getting more into that kind of kind of artsy stuff which I, I think is showing in my work hopefully will be showing in my work too as well oh, that's super exciting i mean like uh did he buy a painting or was it um yeah it was a painting was it was it like uh something that's like surreal or abstract or was it a realistic type of painting it was it's a surreal um painting uh, Sorry to describe. It would be too hard for me to like to describe yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, um, <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll share it on our Instagram so people can see what I'm talking about and like give the artist a, a nod there. But yeah, it's incredible. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I always wonder. That's one thing I haven't explored a whole bunch of is taking other visual arts and having it influence mm -hmm. my photography. I've always just kind of focused on photography itself as looking at other photographers' work. But you know, I know a lot of people that are super inspired. And I, I just wonder yeah. how that works because like you're looking at an abstract painting and then somehow I guess it gets in your subconscious and it influences the way you see. Yeah. And it's also not not only that, but like the way I like I enjoy art, too. Like I used to, you know, in, in when I lived alone, I would only hang photos as art, you know, hmm. uh, instead right. of because that's just like what I shoot and what I know. Right. And to like have other kind of art around, it's like really amazing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's kind of funny because I went for, like uh man uh when i when i moved back down here or not back when i moved to tennessee let me start this over <laughs> when i when i moved down to tennessee i was right before i left i was really getting into kind of graffiti art and kind of like pop art and just kind of weird weird stuff like that like kind of shock art or like you know kind of how like warhol stole people's art and kind of repurposed it mm -hmm. to yeah yeah you know, yeah like i was kind of into that whole thing which i i feel like a lot of people kind of go through that that are into that kind of stuff like you try your hand at you know stencil graffiti and pop art and mm -hmm. kind of just stuff like that and then when i moved here i was kind of over it and i didn't want to start like tagging up this like beautiful little town that i lived <laughs> in and stuff like that so <laughs> yeah. i i tried to paint you know like actually paint yeah and you mentioned I, that before i was 
you know, I would get a lot of good feedback from people, but I always feel like people are are a little too like people are prone to be more nice, like especially friends and stuff. They're like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And it's like, is it? I mean, really? Because <laughs> I don't see that. Like, I don't see what I'm trying. You know, it. what I couldn't I couldn't produce what I wanted. Like right. my mind was right. saying one thing and I was like doing something completely else because I didn't have the talent or the skill or the knowledge right. to do what I wanted paint wise. I mean, that's kind of what veered me into where I am now, you know, with photography, because it's if I have that you know mental image of something i can create it with i can pose a person a certain way to Mm -hmm. get a certain you know like i just feel like i kind of found my medium but i'm also kind of bummed out (laughs) because like i would still love to be able to paint and like you know i i kind of totally gave up on that and i've been thinking about it a lot lately you gotta get back into it yeah just god there's only so much time (laughs) yeah i mean i know i know exactly how you feel because i my like uh fine motor skills with stuff like that is so rudimentary but like one thing I used to do mm. all the time that it reminded me when you were talking about it is like, because I, I can't really draw anything that looks real or, or, or sketch anything that looks real. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, used to do same. this like, I don't know what it's called, but I think it's like called intuitive art where basically you basically just put the, the tool you have, whether it's a paintbrush or a pencil and you just like start drawing and moving your hand in a, in a flowing way for like a minute. And yeah. then you, you look, then you okay. step back and you look at the, what you've done in like a minute's time. And then you respond to that with something new. And then like, I did a bunch of pieces like that where it ended up being like all these like Venn diagrams of like someone's face. And then like all these cars were like rolling over it. And it's just weird how, like when you make something like that, you have no idea where it's wow. going to go. You just like start drawing and it kind of takes its own shape and mm. kind of in its yeah, own I way. Like that. I like so that. for people who don't, who can't draw shit that's a that's a fun thing to try (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'm definitely gonna have to give that a whirl (laughs) because i've tried i'm just terrible with shapes and and like my my problem was always kind of oh like the 3d aspect of it you know everything would be so flat like perspective (laughs) was so tough for me even in the arts like when i was in high school taking art you know like i would just see you know joe schmo killing it on his little sketch pad and i'm just like drawing stick figures right. still like going as hard as i possibly could with, <laughs> with trying to actually it's do like it. i mean i've always been kind of more drawn to like the more abstract art art anyway Same. So it's yeah like me too you know like if you're looking at like i mean i'll just take a random example but like something like by like jackson pollock like you look at that and you're like well you don't mm. really need to have ability to draw a person you know like so something like mm-hmm. that where it's just so yeah. expressive and but it, it, it's so original and it seems to just come from from someone's original nature. And that's like super, super exciting and fresh. Agreed. So, Dave, let's talk about your art. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. How did you get um, into sh- to shooting landscapes? The kind of how you started with photography, always doing that. Were you ever shooting portraits as well? Or I mean, it depends on how you define landscape, really. Like, what is landscape? I mean, like, I know True. what you mean when you when you ask me that. I'm not trying to be, like, I'm not yeah. trying to be rude. I just mean, like, I think if you're fascinated by the world visually and if you're, like, super, super curious, then landscape is, like, the path of least resistance because there's nothing to fear. Like, you can just go shoot it anytime you want, you know? Right. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I see people all the time and I see like landscapes on I mean I know I think Joel Meyerowitz was talking about how like a portrait of someone's face is a landscape really of their face in a way Mm -hmm. um it's all the same stuff it's just Mm, visual um material but uh, as I said before like you know I spend a lot of time in solitude and alone and so I really appreciate 
going out by myself and shooting in very, very, very quiet places, as you probably can tell by looking at my work. Um, and so yeah. in the last few years, I've kind of gravitated towards those places, but I have, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but I have done a bunch of portraits as well recently, but I don't share much of that work because I'm not really, I'm kind of in the experimental phase where I'm not really sure what, you know, I'm trying to say, I'm just kind of like doing it just to, to learn and grow. So, but I have done a lot of that as well. The, the portrait stuff. Yeah, I saw that. That was fun following that on Instagram when you were trying out because uh, you could definitely tell you were, you were, I, I wouldn't say like nervous, but you, you just kept, like you said now, you know, that it's not your strong suit and you would keep expressing that. But I thought the portraits were great. I thought you were doing a good job, like adding, because, you know, we kind of all have a style mm-hmm. and a feel to our photography. Yeah. And for you to take that vibe that you get, because I mean, when I see one of your photos, like if I'm just scrolling through Instagram and I see one of your photos, I, I know it's, I know it's it's yours right away like you have a very like pronounced style and how do you know like, that i, I mean I'm, I, like, I'm serious like what makes you know that it's just intuitive or it's it's, just... it's the the tones i feel like it's just you you have like a mood a specific like tone and mm-hmm. mood like chris said yeah you know there's always that like there's always the trees the woods or like a shack, <laughs> a shack or yeah. you know you know it, it's just i i i don't know i just feel like i know when i see one of your photos I and mean, that's it's really got, nice to hear i mean that's at the same time, it could be a crutch too. I think we were talking about this last time. Um, yeah. And like, you know, I haven't really, sh- I have, I've been shooting constantly, but I haven't shared as much on Instagram. I know a lot of people go kind of go through that phase um, just because yeah. like I, I'm still happy. I'm happy with my work, but it's like, I want to go into a new direction and sometimes you just need some space and to try to explore that before you're ready to, sh- to like share that with the world, so to speak. And I think like, Lately, I've been I've been kind of saying to myself, like, shoot when you're the most afraid and like, oh, yeah, um, you know, so like I've been practicing mental shots, not actual doing the shots where I'm like, uh, you know, I've been doing the same thing with street photography, Dave. That's so funny. It's it's, it's insane. (laughs) I've been like walking down the street and seeing people and like in my mind being like, I would get that. I would get this. I would try that. And as soon as you feel like that, uh, you know, that, that excitement or that nervousness or that a little bit mm-hmm. of fear. I mean, not fear like you're in danger because you don't want to do that, you know, necessarily. Just but, like, yeah. Um, just mm-hmm. like where you're not sure if you should do it. Like there's like that moment and then you can wait too long, right? So yep. it's fun to like to do that. Um, not just with people too, but like even like, I mean, I shoot a lot of storms and like as soon as you're like, oh shit, like this kind of creep, like scary, you're like, all right, I'm going to shoot this right away. I mean, it's a little different because there's no like judgment being made by someone else, but there's still like, we, that's kind of like, what a lot of my work is i feel like it's like at the height of something about to happen even though there's it's hard mm-hmm. to say what what's going to happen i guess so and there's mm-hmm. there's also like that that uh, disappointment of not getting the shot like if you're in a rainstorm and you run back and you're like I, I, if i just stayed i could have got this awesome like whatever or like if i just just brought the camera up to my face and shot the person walking past me like wow yeah well you know it's that's funny you like, say that because uh you know getting into a medium format has been kind of like a wake up call with that uh, philosophy that you're talking about because uh-huh. it's so much slower. I mean, I, large format photographers yeah. are probably mm-hmm. laughing at me, but I mean, shooting a, you know, <laughs> Mamiya RB67 is, you know, w- when I'm out shooting 35 millimeter, it's so you can shoot when you're afraid you can shoot when you want to shoot. And like with the RB67, it's just a totally different type of shooting, but it's, it's almost like the other end of the spectrum. So it, it kind of balances out, your work in that sense, like, you know, the freedom of 35 millimeter and the spontaneity, uh, that, that it allows, it gives you one kind of look. And then 
the look of being extremely thorough and taking your time is like a totally different type of look when you really think about it. So I think that's pretty cool. Man, it is. I never really thought of it that way because, you know, I, I dabble in the, in the four or five as well. And I can like the, when I, when I do that, I'm just like, it's, it's a completely different look than what my normal stuff is, you know, because it's, it's a thought out, it's a process. It's like at least, at least a 15 minute setup and make sure this is right. And don't forget to do this. And that, I mean, 35 millimeter just tonight, I was walking around with a little point and shoot, just kind of, you know, blasting away at people and not really worrying about it. And, you know, if I miss it, whatever, but, you know, along with, along with just like the setup and all that stuff, you know, it's, it's, it costs more money. So it's, it's harder to waste a shot, you know, like there's no pointless shots in large form. Well, I mean, I guess there's always could be something stupid that you could take a picture. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but like, not, not just like the way you're working, but the actual visual result. Like I've been looking at a lot of yeah, medium format yeah. um, work or even large format. And there's, there's a stillness that you feel even with a, mm. a, a shot that has a, a people in it or, you know, it's different. Like, you know, yeah. whether it's the people having to hold still or just everything mm-hmm. is so high resolution, it just feels more, I don't know if real is the right word, but it, it does feel, it almost feels more than real. Like when I look at it, like, the way the glass ah. the medium format renders in the negative and it's like this stillness mm-hmm. that just seems to permeate and it's it's really interesting I, I didn't think about that at first but now that i've been shooting it more i'm kind of seeing that in other people's work and in and in my own shots it's interesting man you- i love i love the study of this stuff man it's <laughs> just so much fun like learning it's never yeah. i don't know it's never ending yeah. Did you shoot the portraits with the RB? Uh, when I first started, I just shot 35 millimeter, and that was actually the main reason I got the RB67 was I wanted to start using it for portraits because uh, it, it does make a difference. Not so much the results, which it which it obviously does, but just it feels more. It feels more like you're going to make sure you get what you want and you feel more committed to it. Yeah. So, it, you know, going back to what we said before, I, I was, I've actually been shooting with both as crazy as that is. I'll have like my Nikon F100 around my neck and I'm carrying the RB67 mm-hmm. and I'm shooting the uh, <laughs> F100 really quickly. And then I'm like, all right, let's set this shot up with this camera now. And I'm like, why am I doing this? And my, my biceps are like sore, but it's, uh, <laughs> Getting jacked. you know, we do it because we love it. Right. So. Exactly. Heck yeah. But portraiture is so hard, man. I mean, I don't know how you guys, I know, you know, some of you, I think Chris, uh, you, you do it, you know, some of for your job. So you're, you, you've done it a lot, yeah. right? It's yeah. just crazy how, how the smallest fractions of time change things so dramatically. It's just insane. Hmm. Hmm. I, um, I just, I have a wedding coming up, um, here in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to be back doing the, on the portrait game for Film sure. But, um, yeah. Uh, probably hybrid. There you go. I'm gonna try and shoot as shoot as much film as possible. Instant film. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll bring my little insects. That'll be fun. That's always fun to you know, especially oh, to yeah. give like people a, love that too. The bride and groom a little souvenir of their of their day. Yeah, good. Thank you for reminding Actually, me to put um, that in my bag, Dave. <laughs> I shot a wedding uh, on black and white film, and the and the um, the groom is also a film lover, and they had a great idea. Um, he and his 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 now wife, they had like five different Instax cameras and they put like one on each table and yes. they, so you've probably heard about this uh, before so like, like people that. could use mm-hmm. it whenever they wanted to and they just like shot however they felt like people who aren't even photographers and so that's pretty cool the best yeah. that is fun 
and he'll have those little little instax forever. No, the the, oh, the mini ones. Is that what you're shooting? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll probably do them. Well, maybe I'll bring the wide. Yeah. We'll see. That's exciting. But yeah, um, I've been doing a lot of portraits of a musician friend who's been in the studio, and we did this like this big shoot. I shot digital and film for that. But today, like, I got this great portrait of him. Like, he's laying on this like red shag carpet with his guitar, and I was kind of like overhead. I was like, I was like, look up, look up. <laughs> <laughs> and I got this great portrait and I was just like, man, you could, I was literally thinking about this before we started recording. Uh-huh. I was like, you can literally rent a studio, bring all your lights, have the mission to get a portrait session. And then you could get like the best portrait ever just by him being a goofball on the shag rug. You know what I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I mean, I have so much respect for people that light that light stuff so well with portraiture, but like, I can't really at this point see myself just doing anything other than just shooting with what I have and never trying to light something. Maybe that's naive, but I can't believe. It's a purist. I like that. I, I just can't believe. I mean, I feel like black and white film in particular, like all you really need is just the film when you're shooting a portrait. But yeah, yeah. I tried it. I, I, I've tried dabbling in that stuff a couple of times. I mean, I, I've taken plenty of portraits. That was like a thing of mine when I first got back into yeah. photography again. I was inviting all my friends over and just kind of wanted to do like a Terry Richardson mm-hmm. cop, like was just doing the white wall with flash and, you know, kind of crappy looking photos, but like, like cool crappy. <laughs> and, uh, but I've been thinking about it again. Like I've done just like, uh, like randomly I'll link up with certain people. It's just like, Hey, I should, we should do your photos sometime. Mm-hmm. And like, and I just love those times when I go and do that, you know, like it, it pushes yourself and it gives it gets you away from like the normal stuff you do. Like it, it gives your mind a break from, you know, hunting down the normal stuff that you're always doing because, you know, it can get so monotonous. And oh and- uh, yeah, I, I think, too, like the experience, that's what I got out of it, too. Like not so much for my own selfish reasons, but just the experience of being creative with another human being. Um, even yeah. like, like mm-hmm. just seeing the other person is because I met a lot of strangers that I just kind of said, Hey, you want to go shoot and kind of met them at like a park or different places. And like just meeting someone you've never met and then ha- asking them to, you know, somewhat be vulnerable in front of you, um, to relax a little bit. And, yeah. and also me not even really knowing that much about portraiture. So it was kind of like super, super interesting seeing how people respond in those kind of uncomfortable situations. And it's one, one idea I had recently because I shot like maybe 10 different individual sessions last last year. I was thinking like contacting all these people again and getting all 10 of them together oh, and doing yeah. a shoot where all every single person in the image is posed and they're all in like different locations in a landscape sort of. So I was thinking about doing oh, like a man. mass kind of it's like the exact opposite of where I normally shoot where there's literally no one in the picture. Now there's like tons <laughs> of people in a landscape. That would be so cool. So I'm thinking cool. about trying to contact everyone. But that's that sounds like a scheduling nightmare. But maybe yeah, I'll just right. start with two or three. Or just like pick a day and be like, leave Sunday opened in two months. <laughs> <laughs> Third Sunday of the of the month open in two months. Exactly. So before before we hopped on here and started recording, you were talking about working on a new publication. What's what's going on with that? I, I mean, actually doing? made a YouTube video. I mean, I've got like, I got like 50 subscribers, so I'm pretty sure you haven't seen it, but um. Basically, uh, I, for the last like year, I uh, started a project called Paths. You might have maybe you came across that as a black and white film project that I was sharing on my Instagram for a few months back in uh, in the winter of 2018. And basically, uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to take my photography and 
get it to a really fundamental level and basically strip away everything that I was relying on. So mm -hmm. in my mind, that was color, that was multiple cameras, multiple lenses, the ability. Oh man, the sun's so good the already. Ability, um, <laughs> the ability to travel wherever I want. I didn't want that either. And so I said, okay, what I want to do is I just want to shoot black and white film in one camera with one lens and everything I shoot has to be on a path that I have never been on, on foot within uh, a few miles of my house where I could either walk to it or maybe drive there, park and then get out and walk around but never, never just like traveling really far to different areas in Virginia, which is what I had done up to that point so much. So I wanted to kind of change the, the way I was shooting. And so that's kind of how I got started. And my end goal was to, you know, print kind of like a zine or like an art book of black and white photos and yeah. then actually have a, actually have a wet print from the dark room as the cover of the book. And the rest of the book would be like just printed mm. on an inkjet. Um, so long story short, uh, I finished the work. I'm really happy with the work. I edited and sequenced the work into a, a narrative. And my friend and I, who's helping me kind of print the work, decided that it's just not feasible to self-publish it because it, I don't know if you've seen any of the images, but they're super, super detailed uh, tonally and texturally. There's a lot of like vines and roots and different things in, in the images from nature. So I really want the prints to be high resolution. So at this point, I just decided that, you know what? in order to make it the resolution that I want and the size that I want, uh, I'm really going to need to seek out a publisher. So that's kind of the oh. phase I'm at right now. It's totally new to me. I'm kind of sending out PDFs and like, you know, descriptions of what I had in mind and to different publishers. And, uh, I guess we'll see what happens, but, um, you can, uh, if, if people want to check out the YouTube video I made on it, you can actually see the book that I made, um, the prototype with some of the images on my YouTube channel. And for whatever reason, the name of my channel is escaping me, but, uh, it's kind of new, so you guys kind of. <laughs> yeah, we'll link it out for everybody to check out. That sounds amazing, though, Dave. I'm. That's. I mean, I, I, I'm. I. Good luck. I hope everybody, you know, you're able to to get it in the right hands and get it done. But it sounds awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. I mean, it's. Um, I, I found that um, one one thing I learned from it too is that how abstract black and white is, and how it, that that kind of is what it's uh, what its strength is in a lot of ways because. You know, shooting mm. a lot of busy scenes in the landscape, and when you're shooting in black and white with an intense amount of detail and busyness, there there's a lot left to the imagination for the viewer. And then trying to create a story that points the viewer in a certain way is really, really challenging. But you know, uh, I think I think I grew a lot from it, and I'm excited to kind of push forward out of this. So hopefully, I can uh, maybe someday print something out, and the book will be called. The book's going to be called Paths, and my, the idea is that someone can basically, it, it's kind of loosely based on the idea that John Gossage had from his book, The Pond, um, but my book's a little bit more abstract in a lot of ways, but basically you open it up and you, you start off on a path, you actually, the, the first, the cover image is a path, and you kind of, some of the images, you you see the path itself, other images, you, you're kind of looking from where you're standing on the path, so you don't see the path, you're looking off of the path. And it kind of tells a story yeah, and you kind of walk so along. And so I wanted all the images to tell a story together, but I also wanted each image to have its own stand on its own. That's kind of always where I've mm. been as a photographer. I want each image to be strong. And so hopefully the viewer can like really immerse themselves in high resolution, fairly large prints in a book and explore the, uh, the landscapes. 
how big is it going to be or are you envisioning I, to me it's got to be at least like eight and a half by 11 which is not huge yeah. but maybe even maybe even bigger i guess it's just i'm kind of new at like you know contacting publishers and you know they have their they have their right. designers and all that stuff so if you guys you know know anyone i know it's not like a, a simple recipe but i've had a lot of people <laughs> like email me um and instant instant message me suggesting different publishers so i'm excited to kind of dig in that's awesome man i hope i hope you continue the the video process of that because i'm working on a project now with a with a friend of mine it's kind of a like a a collaboration of sorts it's about like her losing her boyfriend and stuff like yeah, I think that i saw and that you shared a couple things from that didn't you yeah i yeah. shared a couple pictures yeah. online with it i was intrigued and we're kind of in the same in the same kind of boat of like we don't want to just do like a blur book or yeah. a, a xerox something or you exactly. know like we really want to kind of like get a get like you did you know get the narrative together pick out the right photos she wants to write a couple things and include some personal like diary entries that she's written and stuff like that and i really want to take it to some like to somewhere and be right. like you know what what can we do with this? Right. Because I, I don't think I have the, the the eye for like design and stuff. I might think I do, but I think that something like that needs to be kind of passed off to someone right. else to to kind of finish the, you know, oh, the yeah. story. I mean, that was per se. one of the coolest parts um, for me was that my uh, my friend, his name is Johannes. Um, I'd tell you like his social media, but he's like totally off the grid. He doesn't. He doesn't, he barely yeah. has a phone. So, but anyway, he's like super into, he's actually German and he's like super into black and white photography as a Leica. He's like, you know, super mm. old school guy. And, uh, you know, it was really, it's really cool. I, I really challenge you guys or urge you guys, I should say, to, uh, to do this if you haven't already. Just, you know, get a bunch of, of work together that is cohe- somewhat cohesive, that's a similar idea and say, and give it to someone and say, you know, tell a story with 20 photos with this and I, I paid him for it. You know, I, I really respect his eye and mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see what someone else does with your work. And, you know, I think sometimes we need to humble ourselves mm. and like realize we don't, you know, we don't have all the answers, you know, sometimes. So yeah. it doesn't mean that I don't have input, obviously, like I might change something, but to see what he came up with was really, you know, to me, took it to the next level. So that, that that's really cool to do. Man, I, I love that. Yes, I, I think I'm there. I think I'm, my stubbornness and all that stuff yeah. is finally willing to, like, let go. Of. You've got to let go, yeah, Tim. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, melt. Dude, yeah, r- relax into it, man. That's my new favorite saying. Relax yeah. into it. I love it. Because we can, we can, you know, all be a little, like, control freaky when it comes to, like, our art, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I really like that idea of being like, because you never know, like you, they could come at it a different, a totally different viewpoint of what you thought, how it should go. And then you could end up loving that, you know, you just kind of kind of look at it like, like, like musicians and a producer, mm-hmm. you know, like, exactly. you, That's you true. know, I, I've sat in studios so many times and, you know, played songs and been told, you know, just a little tweak on what to do to make it better. You know, it's not, there's no I in team. Honestly, I think of all the creative different fields, photography, photographers, we wear a lot of hats and it can be, it can be a lot to, you know, especially today with the internet, it can be a lot to try to manage and to, you know, kind of give up some of the control, not, that's not, might not be the right word, kind of a negative connotation, but to allow someone else to participate is probably a better way to say it um, in your creativity. Um, I think it's really healthy, and um, it doesn't mean it's not your work. It just means you know you made right. the work, but you know they're interpreting it, and that it's just a different interpretation. And that's what's uh, that's where you can grow. Mm. I think the most. 
damn it, I think you're right. <laughs> Challenge accepted, Timothy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just crazy because uh, just like I, th- I think it was one of your other YouTube videos, you were talking about just you were kind Who, of me? doing. Uh, oh, I yeah, know you, 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 oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I follow okay. you on YouTube. I didn't know. And um, you. <laughs> you were you were printing out you were just like kind of sequencing photos of you know just this like i forget what it was that you were doing i I remember it being a lot of green in the books that you were flipping through it was just kind of you just put a group of photos together into a little book and i think you did it through blurb is what you said oh yeah yeah can't remember it was Um, a little yeah yeah that was uh that was another idea i had where like you know if you ever have a day like where you're just shooting one like one day and you feel like really productive that day and like super inspired hmm rather than just letting that work just kind of just kind of hang out i wanted just to make that day into something printable so then like i took all the photos from that day Mm. and made it into something like a quick magazine on blurb and then i wrote like the date and just so now it became like a collection of that day rather than just a bunch of files you know right so i like that too (laughs) it's so cheap i mean you're like literally stupid not to like blurb it'll look Mm -hmm. good and it literally cost me like six bucks right and i have like the the Mm -hmm. prints the size of the image on the magazine page is like bigger than a four by six print right i mean really really think about it it's like 25 images in a in like a magazine form and you're it's like less than like you know 40 cents for (laughs) each print you know i mean it's kind of like ridiculous if you're not printing that's yeah See, that's kind of what I've been doing lately in my downtime. I've just been splitting off little bodies of work to do that with. Just like, you know, I shot I shot a contortionist. I'm going to take all those photos and kind of put them together oh, wow. in a little book. Just kind of how I do with my 4x6s. I always print off all my 4x6s and keep them in, in uh, photo albums. Oh, that's right. And I remember that. You have that super organized. If I do. I mean, I, I haven't been doing it as much because it's. I have a different printer now. It's more expensive. It's just, you know, it's been taxing on me a little bit because it, it costs a lot of right. money to do that. Right. But to um, to do like even just to order one one little book of that body of work you know but like you said six six to ten bucks or something like that and then through blurb it'll be there you know you can always like if it if it's you know good and you want to share it you can share it or and i mean all you gotta do is throw the link up on your website or on instagram and people can you know pick it up if they want but i definitely want to start doing that and you know just ordering single copies you you definitely inspired me to to start that process with a bunch and and plus working on the zine that i just made because i kind of just forced myself to do it i was like i'm doing a project about being home and i'm doing it i'm giving myself a deadline i'm finishing it i'm doing it and i couldn't be happier with how the project came out and i'm really glad i did it and you know now i have this book of my trip home so i just think it's really important that people People do stuff I got like, like that. eight uh, eight different blurb printable magazine slash books that I keep in my ca- in my camera bag. So like you know if I'm out and I meet someone, mm. you know I don't say hey go to this website. I like say you know oh yeah here's something I made check it out. Here's some of my photos. So sometimes I'll just have that where they can actually look at it. I bet that will like that blows people's mind because they're like what what's your Instagram? You're like no no here look it in a book. <laughs> exactly exactly. I yep. love that. I love that. I love that. So. Yeah, I used to carry a bunch of four by sixes in one of those little like portfolio books that you can get at Hobby Lobby, and um, 
I used to do that all the time and, you know, let people flip through them. If, you know, you sometimes, especially when you're doing street photography stuff, you get, you get the evil eye from someone. And then if you just pull that out and you're like, Hey, look, I'm not a creep. <laughs> like, this is what I'm actually doing, art. you know? <laughs> but yeah, awesome. All right, guys, we'll be right back with a question from one of our listeners for Dave after this message from our sponsor. Support for Analog Talk also comes from Polaroid Originals. Go to PolaroidOriginals.com and use the offer code ANALOGTALK10 at checkout to receive 10% off your next purchase. All right, guys, this is a part of the show where we take a question from one of our listeners. This question comes from Omar Sad. He asks, the question for Dave is, what would Dave recommend when metering landscapes to get both the sky and the trees slash houses slash foreground? Question mark. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> well, I would definitely recommend probably a spot meter for something like that just to kind of measure everything and point the spot where you want to uh, meter for since if you have like a super like, you know, high dynamic range scene. Um, but on that note, the the matrix meters that are in nikon cameras are really really good at like kind of mm. taking in the whole scene and generally speaking like as most of you of you and probably your listeners know like you want to give your film a little bit more light than you think oftentimes especially when you when you talk mm-hmm. about the shadows obviously that's not true in every case because maybe you want the image to be underexposed for some reason so that's an aesthetic choice but um if you're trying to expose quote unquote properly then just shooting like maybe a stop above uh like in your exposure compensation will probably get everything pretty good um i think a true pro would probably say a spot meter for a super crazy landscape scene um would probably be your best bet and then of course bracket oh yeah i never bracket if you're gonna shoot ectochrome you're probably gonna you're gonna have to i know i would i would think unless you're just like you don't care you're just kind of you know a little under a little over and doesn't bother you but if you're trying to nail it yeah. Yeah, you definitely have some latitude with like color negative film and some black and whites, you know, but I you know, there's there's going to be a sacrifice at some point. Like you can't get it all, especially on like bright ass days, mm-hmm. like you're not going to be able to get, you know, the full scene of the sky yeah. along with like the shadowed out gully that's on down that note, there. Though, I do think there's like this sort of assumed like it's almost like pretentious idea that like there's correct exposure and of course mathematically i guess Mm. you would say there is but really like i mean if you just got a crappy exposure because you weren't even thinking that's one thing but if you intentionally underexpose something for a specific reason then that's completely like legitimate you know like i I, i've got a lot of images that are on expired film where you know i'm shooting in fog and you know i there may be a car approaching or something like that as you guys know you might have seen some of those or or there might be some small light somewhere like i don't necessarily want all that shadow detail um because i want it to be darker and so it's going to look really grainy in the shadows and that's not really a good exposure quote unquote but that's the way i want it to look so the most important thing to answer omar's question is to know the exposure that you want and then try to get that exposure not necessarily the correct exposure and yeah because i i shoot a lot like that too i'll shoot on the on the darker side you know or silhouette-ish side if need like i i like the way that looks you know sometimes it's too much when you see everything you know yeah. you gotta leave something to mystery when it comes to stuff like that i think the old I mean, it school all depends guys, on what you're going for yeah yeah i think the old school guys would say like well that's kind of stupid you, you should just shoot for the shadows anyway because you can get it the way you want it to look in the dark room anyway. Right. If, you, if yeah. you don't have enough information in the negative, you could regret that. But I think, you know, that's probably the right answer. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like, I'm not printing color stuff in the dark room. So. Right. 
Man, I would love to see your stuff printed on, what is it, like C-type or something? Like actual, yeah. Chromogenic? Or you mean like it, digital well, no, C? It's, no, not not the digital stuff. It's oh. the like the wet print. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Ilford color. I, I can't remember <clears throat> the name of it. Maybe it's not C-type. I'm, I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, I don't have a lot of, I only have been printing like inkjet prints or like uh, digital C-prints, chromogenic print on that Fuji Crystal Archive. So uh, you're right, man. I don't know. I wish there was some kind of like lab online that did like real darkroom color prints and just you can like see it. Try it. Yeah, proof. Just to see the difference. But I, I think there is. I, I would have to do some research, but I, I know that there's places that still do it. I've, I've seen people talk about it on their Instagrams. Yeah. But I think it's a I think it's a dying, a dying thing. Yeah. Until it makes a crazy comeback 40 years yeah. from now. Who knows? One one can only hope. I would <laughs> yeah. love I would love that. I'm still waiting for an instant film camera that I actually like, um, and a film <laughs> a film that I can actually an instant film that I can actually afford, mm. and and uh, a format that's big enough. Like I feel like I'm having the hardest time. Like I want to shoot instant film, but I'm having the hardest time like figuring out which camera, which film I want to use because it's just like one one film isn't reliable enough. One the cameras kind of suck. And another one, the film's too expensive. Like, you know, obviously I think the best choice is like Polaroid land cameras, but that's yeah. just, yeah. it's not, it's just not feasible now. So sad. Did, so, did you see, especially. did you guys see that uh, there's a post on the, the film like gear groups, like sell by and everything that the guy was selling a 30 or a big box for like $7,500. How many packs wow. is that? I forget. I think it was like 30. I don't 30 know. 30 packs? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. It was a lot, but like not enough to be like. It's seven. I don't want it. No shame. I don't. It was just like, well, a I lot. think the going, I think the going rate for 3000 B. Yeah. What today is it? Is what today? Today 50? is October 23rd, 2018. The going rate is like around $75. Are you serious? Yeah. But I, can't I bought you, a box. Uh, that's insane. I bought a box <laughs> of the 100 B, not the C. The, they used to make a 100 B. It was a black and white 100 oh. speed. And. I paid a hundred bucks for that. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, that's I like wanted large to try it format out. sheet film prices, man. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Like if you, well, that's what the guy, the guy on on the Facebook group was like. Hey guys, don't crucify me, but this is kind of the going rate for it. And yeah, everyone yeah. was like, okay with it, you yeah. know. And I even wow. thought about picking up three boxes just because, you know, once it's gone, it's gone, and I don't think it's gonna go any cheaper. I mean. You're already paying like fifty bucks for the color film, and there's still plenty of that around. There's like tons I've seen of it for that like around. Thirty four, so. I think, but that's like yeah. the cheapest. It's rare. That's the, the. I think I paid like forty bucks a box was the cheapest, and I got three boxes not that long God, ago. I just want to go to an estate sale and like some <laughs> some widow widow passed away, and and they're like, oh yeah, he's got a bunch of film in the fridge, and you're like, okay, I'll take all this for like fifty bucks, and it's like a bunch of yeah. like FP three thousand. Mm, yeah, I remember when, when you know when I when I <laughs> when I drove across country um, with a friend with the people we st- his family that we stayed with had a bunch of Polaroid land cameras like oh yeah just take it and my friend was like oh yeah the you get a box of film they're like twelve bucks and I like remember when the, like a box of film was twelve dollars mm-hmm. and now to think that it's like uh, sigh well, Amazon Amazon had the the color film for seven mm-hmm. and the black and white was ten mm-hmm. and. I have when I first got my RB67. It was like 2013. Yeah. I man, that's all I shot. Where the was the yep. black and white film because it was literally ten bucks. I'd buy five packs. The FP3000. Every 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I buy like five packs a month, you know, and just yeah. that's half of the first book that I made is all shot on the FP. Well, I think 3, like someone's trying to make an Instax back for the RB. So there's Ooh. like, some yeah. Guy, yeah. So I'm definitely pumped about that. I'm, I'm hopefully going to try that. I mean, I don't love that film, but it is very consistent and it does look pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't, I don't well, know. I we'll just, see. I just picked up, um, a Lomo wide, a Lomo instant wide. And, uh, I mean, it's not full control, but it's, you have a lot more control than you did. You have a bulb setting. Yeah. You, it, it has a flash. Is the camera sink. plastic though? Yeah. yeah. The camera's plastic. I just can't. Yeah. I can't deal with that. Yeah. I'm so done with plastic. I used to have like an Instax like 210 and it like made like, yeah, like creaky noises. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm like, I like love my photography this much. I want my camera to be like metal. Like I'm just right. done with plastic. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounds pretentious, I guess, but. But I mean, it's the build quality is really good, and I'm super impressed with the shots that I've been. I'll have to scan some in and run them on my Instagram stories so everyone glass? can the see. Is it glass? Or is it? Yeah, the lens is glass. Oh, it I is. Think, I think mm. it's. I think it's glass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't have the original box. I bought it secondhand off of eBay. But right, right, right. Um, yeah, I got it. I got it for a steal, so I I couldn't say no. But also. Um, I mean, even even the Polaroid originals with like an SX70 or some sort of like focusing, mm-hmm. like as long as you can nail focus, you can get like goggles for it. You can get a like a yellow filter or I think Mint makes sets for them that you can put lenses or, you know, filter kits for your SX70. So, I mean, you get some some exposure difference and stuff and. I mean, my buddy, Mike, he shoots exclusive Polaroid. Like, that's all he shoots. And some of the stuff, I should point you in his direction, Dave, because he does, like, a lot of tree work with Polaroid mm-hmm. originals. And, man, it is just, it's amazing. It looks so good, the, the the stuff that he gets with Polaroid. We do have one more listener interaction type question for you, Dave. Ooh, all right. It is, what is your your desert island camera? What camera can't you live without? And, like, what is it and why? And then the second part of this question is, oh, what gosh. is your your okay. white whale camera? What are you lusting after currently and, and don't have? Oh, man. You know, I haven't really used that many cameras, to be honest. So it's like I feel like kind of stupid answering that. But my favorite camera that I've used in my life, um, I currently don't even have. So I guess I would say it's I don't want to cop out and say it's both. But I used to have a Nikon F4 and I mm. love that camera. I mean, as a guy who shoots in a lot of bad weather, that camera is a straight up beast and it is it's so it is. like the way that camera feels in my hands like it's just the the body is so smooth and it's just so tough and it can handle water and unfortunately it was stolen um so i lost that a while ago so that's probably my favorite camera and uh lusting after hmm i think i'm actually pretty content to be honest i mean that's kind Ooh. of like a cop-out answer jealous <laughs> i feel pretty good like ever since i got the rb67 i'm feeling uh I'm feeling pretty good. I guess I would say I'm lusting after some type of instant back for that camera. I'm just not sure. All right, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. This has been amazing chatting with you. Thanks again for coming back uh, after all of our troubles the last time. It's been awesome chatting with you. I feel like I could talk to you guys all night, man. You guys are so easy to talk to. Love Uh, it. Where can our listeners check you out? uh, They can check me out at the RothschildPhotoCollection.com. It's a really long name, but once again, that's the RothschildPhotoCollection.com or on my Instagram at Dave underscore Rothschild. Awesome. What about you, Timothy? All right, guys, you can find me on Instagram at Timothy Makeups. I also make film photography related videos over on YouTube. If you go to the search bar, you can just search Timothy Makeups or, you know, 
go to youtube.com slash Timothy Makeup Stitzler, which is a lot. And I do a little personal uh, podcast that's kind of in its in its in a it's in like a cocoon stage right now. I'm ready to break out of the cocoon and be a beautiful butterfly again and bring this uh, We Believe in Film podcast back. Nice. So Chris, where are you at? I am Crispy Photo on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, our podcast is Analog Talk podcast on instagram analog talk pod on twitter we have a facebook group you can join and a page you can like and that takes care what of about that. t-shirts oh we uh oh. we just we just closed our we just closed our pre-order so nice. those who who got them we 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 appreciate it so much we hope you enjoy we're super excited for for those uh and thank you for that thanks mom <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> thanks dad <laughs> all right guys all right, guys. It's, it's, uh, Dave, this has been awesome. Thank you again. And yeah, we'll, thanks, uh, Dave. We'll see you guys soon. Yeah, very grateful to talk to you guys. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. All right. First off, I want to thank Dave for being on the show. It was a long time coming. We had previously recorded with Dave, and we had technical issues twice. So I guess third time is a charm. Again, thank you, Dave, for being on the show. And guys, that brings us to our Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash analog talk. We have a bunch of little fun things going on over there. We have for $5, you can watch the uncut, unedited interview with the guests. You know, we have stickers, we have pins. Uh, We will be adding t-shirts hopefully soon here. We do have a couple extra t-shirts coming our way from our t-shirt pre-sale. And again, thanks for everybody who ordered a shirt. You guys are awesome. And uh, yeah, there's a bunch of other fun stuff over there on the Patreon. So head over there. Every little bit of support helps. And thanks to all the Patreons already who contribute. You guys are the best and you keep this thing going. So until next week, guys, thanks for listening and we will see you soon. Later.